So this is all about helping families uh, learn how they can keep pornography out of the home, as well as how they can heal from past pornography use. Hi, everyone. Gary Kester with Catholic Charities here with... Father Anthony, the chaplain of Catholic Charities. And I love hearing you say that. And we're joined this morning by Christine Commerce, who's coordinator of the Diocese of Orlando Human Trafficking Task Force, and Daniel Boyd, our guest from the Secretariat for Laity, Family, and Life. Welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to be here with you. We're glad you're here. What we typically do is we start off with a reflection and a prayer with Father Anthony, and then we're going to dive into a very heavy topic today but one that we want people to understand as we move forward. Father? Therefore, as, as we begin, we do so in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to be reading a few verses all over the place from Daniel chapter 13. And I believe that by the time you hear this, oh my goodness, and we have Daniel with us. You know, <laughs> It's my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> there lived in Babylon a man named Joachim, who was married to a very beautiful, God-fearing woman, Susanna, whose pious parents had trained her in the law of Moses. That year, two elders of the people were appointed judges, in whom this word of the Lord became true. Wickedness has come forth from Babylon through the elders appointed judges who are supposed to govern the people. These men frequented Joachim's house, and all who had legal disputes used to come with them. After the people had left at noon, Suzanne would go into her husband's garden for a walk. The old men began to lust for her as they watched her enter the garden every day. Forgetting the demands of justice and virtue, their lust grew all the more as they made an effort to turn their eyes to heaven. Although both were possessed of the same passion for her, they concealed that from each other, for they were ashamed to reveal their lustful desire. One day, when the maids had left Susanna after her bath, the two elders hurried to her and said, Look, the garden doors are shut and no one sees us. We desire to possess you. If you refuse to give in, we will testify that you sent your maids away, for there was a young man with you. Susanna moaned, Whatever I do, I am trapped. If I give in to your desire, it will be death for me. If I refuse, I won't escape your persecution. I would rather be persecuted than sin in the eyes of the Lord. The next day, a meeting was held at Joachim's house, and the two elders arrived, vindictively determined to have Susanna sentenced to death. And so this is where I want to, to end that reading, because I'm sure that we have heard that reading, especially during the season of Lent. And as we think of this, the topic that we're going to be dealing with today is something that is based on lustful desires. And, and we see that through it, persons can be exploited because these two old men were trying to exploit Susanna for their own ends. 
And so more will be said about this as we go through, deal with our topic. But we have to think, as, as Susanna thought, she said, I would rather be persecuted than sin in the eyes of the Lord. And I believe that this is why we're having this podcast to try to help persons to be righteous in the eyes of the Lord than to fall into sin. So let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you sent your only Son, the Word made flesh among us, to bless our common humanity and bond us eternally in spirit with you. May we always reverence this precious gift in all of our brothers and sisters. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. So the topic this morning kind of looks at an intersection between human trafficking, which Christine works diligently to help uh, make people aware of in the diocese, and the topic of pornography, which is what Father was referencing when he talked about lustful desires. The reason that we have Christine and Daniel here with us as guests this morning is when we look at that intersection of pornography and human trafficking, one of the things that's often said about pornography is it's a victimless crime. That um, it's essentially just me and my computer screen or me in a magazine, etc. Christine, why is that a false uh, impression? Well, it's not a victimless crime just because of all the people that are involved with it, even the people that are willingly doing it. So from a human trafficking standpoint, they say it's about 50% of the videos that are made have some type of human trafficking involvement. And so oftentimes victims are forced to make pornography videos during their trafficking situation. But if you are even talking about the ones that are willingly do it, um, oftentimes they're coming from very dark backgrounds. They may have been sexually abused as a child and are they're desperate for a certain type of income. And I've listened to several other podcasts and even some of the former porn stars are talking out against it. Because even the women that are willingly doing this, they're still being forced to do things against their will. They're being forced to do things that were outside their contract. And then they say, well, you're not going to get paid. You're going to be blackballed from this particular type of um, industry if you don't do what we say. And even the men suffer very um, dire consequences. They sometimes become suicidal. They no longer see women as a human being. They see them as an object and so forth. And the list goes on and on. Thank you. And Daniel? One of the things that folks are going to wonder is, so this the Secretariat of Family, Laity, and Life, how on earth does this Secretariat tie into this topic of pornography? Great question. So what the bishop has asked my office to do is assist him in his task of evangelization and catechesis. And part of that is helping people understand how our faith can inform the way we go out and live. And really, when we think about things like morality, at the end of the day, that's about living the good life, living the best life. It's not a list of, of do's and don'ts. It's how can we be set free to live the best life and, and reach our potential that God has designed us for. And uh, where that comes in with pornography is we recognize that pornography tears families apart. It's damaging to anybody who consumes it. And so Bishop Noonan wants to make sure that we do what we can to help protect families. And uh, he has decided 
that this coming Lent, we are going to have the first ever Safe Haven Sunday in our diocese. And that's going to be on the second Sunday in Lent, which is, I believe, March 12th and 13th. And this is a parish-based effort that all takes place within the context of the Mass, where the parish priest is able to share with his community uh, the resources that are there, how, how damaging this is for families with the goal. The name comes from the idea that the home should be a safe haven from pornography and that uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't exist there it shouldn't enter children should be free to grow up if, with a kind of the, the innocence of their childhood protected and husbands and wives shouldn't have to worry about their spouse consuming pornography in the home so this is all about helping families uh, learn how they can keep pornography out of the home as well as how they can heal from past pornography use so in trying to understand that Father, I have a question for you because Daniel's mentioning that it goes back to the parish priest and it's an opportunity for the parish priest to speak about the importance of the home being a safe haven. Why on earth does a parish priest or a priest in general, why does a priest need to address the issue of pornography? Well, that that too is a, another very interesting question because what do we think about? There is the whole business of community and we talk about the the local church, we talk about the domestic church, we talk about the universal church. And anything that happens in the domestic church affects the local church and it affects the global church. And therefore, the, the parish priest, who is one who works alongside the bishop in terms of evangelization and catechesis, this is one of the areas in which he needs to get involved so that the family, the family can truly be built up. Now, couldn't we make the argument, I would ask all three of you, couldn't we make the argument that we're making a mountain out of a molehill? Couldn't we say, Father, for example, that um, somebody is making pornography a bigger issue than it really is? I mean, like, you're a priest. How on earth do you know about pornography and what, what, wh how, why is this such a big topic? You see, not only, you know, I have to bring two things together. Being a priest and also being a missionary of mercy, I can tell you that in the confessional, I hear the issue of pornography being brought up so much. There is never one week that passes that I don't hear a confession about pornography. And, and this has been going on for years. And it isn't that it's the same people who come each time. So it means that this is something that affects the very fabric of our society. Christine, do you want to comment on that? So going back to it's not a victimless crime. So what happens is when an individual is viewing pornography and they're no longer getting that high or that arousal that they used to get, then they were looking to act out what they're seeing on, on the videos and so forth. So what they may do is go ahead and seek someone who is in prostitution. But as we know, many of us may know that about 80% of those prostitutes are actually human trafficking victims. So it has been named by the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking is the number one fueling factor to human trafficking is pornography. So it's not a victimless crime. And then many of the Johns have the women view pornography. Oh, wait a minute. What's a John? So a John is someone who will pay for sex. Okay. So you, a John pays a prostitute mm -hmm. Correct. to engage in a sexual act. Yes. Okay. 
So these johns will have the women view pornography so they know what they're expected to do. In addition to that, the traffickers will also have women view pornography because that's what men are wanting to act out. Um, and in addition, we also mentioned that the women are forced to make pornography in trafficking situations. I actually had someone call me in the diocese where that same situation happened. You know, she was drugged, her boyfriend made videos of her while she was drugged, and you know, those videos got out there. So this is something that can happen to anyone. So I appreciate the explanation, but now there's a question that registers in my head. What on earth do you, Daniel, I'm gonna pick on you. What do we mean our kids are watching pornography? So uh, the last data I heard was that the, the average age of exposure to pornography for children in the U.S. is now eight years old. Um, so people who are thinking like, oh, this is a middle school or this is a high school issue. No, this is a, a, an elementary school issue. And if your child goes to school, they're going to see pornography because there's going to be a kid there. There's going to be a child there who has it on their phone. And whether, whether children are looking for it or not, it looks for you. So um, every, I mean, no matter no matter what you are involved with on the internet, um, you are going to come across something that is uh, that is pornographic. So, I mean, almost every other day, I get uh, a fake friend request on social media from a pornographic account, somebody who's trying to sell access to videos or pictures or who knows what. Um, and so they they go out there and they target people. Um, I don't know if that's just a unique thing for men. If if those accounts target men, I would imagine it's not. Um, so children are exposed to it very early and anybody who's either has a phone or just around people with phones you're going to come across it that was i know i've worked in schools for a while and um, the number of times that kids see pornography on phones would would shock you I me mean, for um that's probably a very hotly debated uh topic of whether like how early should you give children phones um but i, I would say um, just know if you give your child a phone one, they're going to find a way around the security measures you put on it because it's, uh, kids are good at that. I've never heard of a kid who couldn't figure out their parents' security measures. And uh, the other is there's going to be someone else around them with a phone who's going to show them something. Christine, you've talked before uh, in previous podcasts, you've talked about a program called Covenant Eyes. It seems to me with what Daniel just articulated about this, what I'll call easy access, um, and uh, the way that kids foil security measures of their parents, it seems that maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about Covenant Eyes because what we're trying to do today is just give a kind of a 30,000-foot overview of this huge issue that's impacting individuals, impacting, as Father said, the family, which is the domestic church, which impacts the local mm -hmm. church, which impacts the universal church. Christine, what about Covenant Eyes? Why is that something for parents to know about? So Covenant Eyes is a resource that parents can use or adults, and it's a way just to provide accountability and provide some of those protective or preventive measures. Um, so for adults, you get an accountability partner and you work through one of their programs that they have, but it's also another way to block certain types of sites and, and pornographic material and so forth. Like Daniel said though, even though you could have those uh, Th those uh, devices or those apps on your phones or your child's computer and so forth, um, it doesn't mean that they're gonna be protected against pornography. So it's very important that we have these conversations with our kids in addition to that, because I'll share an example of someone who was uh, talking and she does this for a living. And she was talking about how her six-year-old son was exposed to pornography. He didn't have a phone, 
but a fifth grader came up to him and said, hey, look, look what's on my phone, right? And so our kids go to school with other kids. And so they have the potential of being exposed through another child, um, maybe going through over their house. We don't know what type of parental controls that their parents may have. So it's very important that we have these uh, not only these parental controls, but these conversations with our kids. Another great resource, especially for the younger kids, are Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And that's a book and it talks about pornography. So it's written in the form of a story and they have one for very young children. So I would say like even kindergarten age. And then they have one for older kids as well, maybe more along the lines of older kids around middle school. So they have uh, one for, for every age. I also listened to another podcast and she, she was a sexual trauma nurse. When she started that job, she was expecting most of the children that she was gonna see were being victimized by adults. And what she found was about half of them, at least half of them were being victimized by other children. And what she found out from, from interviewing and talking with these different kids is that kids are acting out what they're seeing on other kids. So you've just taken this issue of pornography related to human trafficking. Now we're talking about physical medicine, trauma medicine, neuroscience. It sounds overwhelming. Daniel, how on earth can a a concept like Safe Haven Sunday, I I admit I'm confused as to how on earth can that address all this? It's a step in the right direction. So this is a, a big problem, and it's it's an addiction. So uh, it needs to be treated like one. So for anyone listening, if this is part of your story, if you are a user or consumer of pornography, if you're addicted to pornography, um, there's, I would say, two people you should see right away. The first is a priest that you really trust. And go to confession, pray with him, and, and ask for help. The next is a therapist and ask that priest for a recommendation. Who can you go see that will help you overcome this addiction? Um, If you are uh, married to somebody who consumes pornography, then uh, talk with them and let them know that you're worried about it. And uh, say, don't be afraid to to put up some boundaries and say, this is, I, I do not accept this. And do not want you to watch pornography. I don't want this in the home at all um, for many, many reasons. It's bad for marriages. Uh, It leads to an increase in divorce rates. Um, Researchers used to suggest pornography use for couples as a way to promote intimacy. The really the lead uh, marriage researcher in the country, Dr. John Gottman has recanted that advice and said that they were wrong. They used to, and he's, he's not Catholic. He's a secular psychologist and he'll, he'll tell people, pornography, the data is in that pornography does not help married couples. And he's not saying that from a religious perspective. He's saying that from a research perspective. His priority is helping people stay married. He doesn't, he's not trying to, to uh, pontificate about what people should do from an ethical point of view. So uh, seek out a priest so that you can receive God's mercy and healing. And then seek out a therapist. So if you live in the Diocese of Orlando, the first people you should call should be the Behavioral Health Services Office at Catholic Charities. And uh, either work with them or work with someone they can connect you with. Um, And then take advantage of some of those resources like Covenant Eyes. And uh, there's another, there's a, a program out there called Strive 21 that can help you overcome an addiction to pornography. Um, use everything, every resource uh, possible to overcome this. You will not regret it. So, well, I, I, Christine, I'm going to lean over to you now. So one of the things that occurs to me is there are going to be 
uh, I'm thinking specifically of parents, and there will be adults who are like, my gosh, it sounds like me, but I, I, I'm not like that. And it, so it may be eye-opening. And I can think of parents whose jaws are literally on the floor now as we talk. If someone wants to know more about this issue, Christine, what are ways that they can do that? Sure. So they can contact the Diocese of Orlando Human Trafficking Task Force. They can call us at 407-658-1818, extension 1122, and we'd be happy to schedule a presentation at your local parish or with your local group. Just to piggyback on what Daniel was saying, that this is not just a moral issue. Of course, we encourage people to go to confession, but we want people to realize that this is an actual addiction. If your husband or your child comes to you with this issue, it's always uh, helpful not to overreact and not to fill them with shame because they're already feeling enough shame. It's that we need to embrace them and let them know that we're going to support them through this journey of healing. Father, two questions. One is, do you want to, is there anything you want to add to what Christine and Daniel have said about how this looks? And number two, and, and this one strikes me, what has to happen for a, a priest to have a level of comfort in knowing how to address this issue? Because it, there's a lot of information here that I just think, uh, it sounds like you could have a degree in this and, 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 and be constantly learning. So how do we address this? Well, number one, the... I can't remember exactly the name of I may get it wrong, but the, the USCCB had come up with a program to deal with pornography, which is called, I think, Creating Me a Clean Heart. And, and there are resources there for priests, what a priest could do or should do if he hears about someone involved in pornography. Um, there are also resources for persons who are married, <laughs> You know, and, and how they can deal with this. So so I think that one, then, is that, yes, it is sin. And we have to call it what it is. It is Absolutely. sin. And, and a priest is supposed to be an expert with dealing with sin. Because it's, it's, it's all about trying to administer the mercy of God to someone. Right? And, and the second thing is that... Our church is just great. We have embarked on this synodal process. And there are those three words that we hear, community, participation, and mission. And so, one, this affects our community. And we want everybody to participate in the, com in the community fully, you know, to have truly full, conscious, and active participation that they can be equipped for the mission. And how do we do this? Pope Francis says the first thing we have to start to do is that we have to listen. So we have to listen to all those persons who are going through this struggle. And as we listen to them, to, to help to bring about the healing that they need. Christine, from a trafficking, a human trafficking task force standpoint, how do I approach someone, family member, a neighbor, a friend, who I know or suspect has an issue with porn? What you want to do is approach them from a place of love and um, understanding that you understand that this is potentially could be an addiction for them. Um, a lot of men who get married, they start out watching pornography, they think they're going to quit, and then once they get married, they find that they can't. So 
understanding that this is something that they need support with, with that recovery, and that you are willing to understand and walk with them along this journey is so important. And just to mention that this is a lot more prevalent that we realize is that statistics vary, but 25 to 30% of searches on the internet are for pornography. So for the people that are struggling with this, you're not alone. There's a lot of other people that are struggling out there with this very issue. And uh, one study reported that there's more viewership of pornography than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. So just, I, you know, think about how often you're on those just sites alone. And then, um, you know, they have more viewership than all of those combined. But I appreciate you're a walking storehouse of data and information. And I know that ties in with your role with the task force, but I appreciate how you bring those things up here. You know, Father, I'm reminded uh, in, in the, the breviary and the, in the uh, liturgy of the hours um, on Fridays, uh, we often talk, uh, one of the readings is, is about creating me a clean heart, O God. And you reference that as the USCCB's program for addressing porn. It sounds like as we all talk about this, the most important thing that we have to bear in mind is truth. Mm. We have to, the, the, the most important step, Daniel, you referenced it. The most important thing I can do first and foremost is to acknowledge that I need to talk to someone. You recommended talk to a priest and then to a therapist, but I have to talk to someone. This is not, and Christine, you alluded to it, this is not something I can carry inside and realistically anticipate that it's going to go away. In fact, what we should, from research, it sounds like, we should anticipate that if I don't acknowledge it and seek help for it, it's going to become worse. And I'm reminded, Father, I guess last comment for you before you wrap us up. I recall um, the children at Fatima. And if I remember correctly, one of the things that the Blessed Mother Mary talked to the children about is that one of the last battles would be against the family. Mm. And it sounds like what we've outlined here is a very clear example of something that is literally tearing families down. Mm. Uh, you articulated mm. that you see this or hear this in the confessional. Any guidance that you would give to mothers and fathers and individuals out there who are listening to this podcast? Well, this is where I want to piggyback on, on what Daniel said there, because going to that Sunday, the safe haven day, is that it shouldn't just become a day, but rather it is launching the fact that we are going to become, one, safe haven homes, safe haven parishes, safe haven dioceses. You know, and because... That's what persons need. They need to have this space where they will know that they are indeed safe. And, and therefore, that's my advice to parents. But the thing about it is that many parents don't know that this is happening. The, ch the kids know. Mm -hmm. And because I talk to young people all the time and they know their friends who are involved in it. But at the same time, they, they don't want to say anything to their friends. So one out of a group of 10 may come to talk about what he or she is feeling, but we have the other nine out there who are not talking to anybody. So parents, just reach out. 
the the church is safe. Come to the church. I appreciate how we've approached a very difficult topic. And it seems to me, Father, that as we look at our future scheduling of podcasts, this is one, obviously, as we move closer to that second Sunday of Lent, I'd propose that we, we revisit this topic uh, and, and have an update, Daniel, on where things are. And, and Christine, we always enjoy talking with you about this challenging topic of human trafficking. Daniel, folks may want to know more about your secretariat. They also may want to know more about Safe Heaven Sunday. Is there a particular way that you would recommend that they reach out to you? Yeah, they can email slfl at orlandodiocese.org if they have more questions or they're curious. Um, We will have a diocesan webpage up uh, for Safe Haven Sunday by the time we begin. or they can head to, they can just search for Safe Haven Sunday uh, using any internet search, and they should see a website that's actually, this is a program offered by Covenant Eyes, and uh, they can learn more about it there. So either email my office, slfl at orlandodiocese.org, or look up Safe Haven Sunday online. Thanks, Daniel. Father, you want to wrap us up? Okay, so... Oh my goodness, we've come to an end already. Time flies when we're deep in discussion. Let us pray. To you, O God, we commend ourselves, knowing that there have been times in which we have neglected the sacredness of life and the dignity of the human person. We ask you, God, to renew your grace within us so that we will continually turn to you in repentance, seeking to change our actions and respecting and loving all peoples in this world. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And And with with your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. 